When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Euro Digest here on Football Digest. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Raheem on target as Phillips delivers a sterling performance to help send England to a winning start over Croatia at Wembley. Day four sees the Tartan Army back at a major tournament as Scotland welcome Czech Republic to Hamden. Here to get into all of that and have their say, we have Alex Milne from the Mirror Sports Desk and the Mirror's fighting editor, Martin Domin. Gentlemen, I hope you're both well. Alex, I'll come to you first in terms of what happened at Wembley. England off to a winning start for the first time ever at a Euros. Yeah, you can't ask much more, Matt, can you? I think um, overall, I thought it was a very mature performance, I'd say. Um, I think the biggest credit I can give is that as soon as we went 1-0 up, I didn't really feel any sort of worry about conceding. I think we did very well at just kind of seeing the game off, kind of playing it calm, no no issues at all. Um, and yeah, I'm sure Martin would agree that it's now definitely coming home, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Martin, as, as a Scott watching on, having to wait now for Monday to come around for you guys to get your campaign underway, what, what were your thoughts on it? Mature is a very interesting word, Alex. I really... Boring word, I would suggest. It sort of sums up, you know, it wasn't scintillating enough to to give it any more. But without risking the wrath of my my colleagues, the back page of the Mirror today says "magical, brilliant England." And I know that fits in with MBE and Raheem Sterling, and that's all very neat. But I have to you know, respectfully disagree. I wouldn't say it was mundane or bland. But I think it was somewhere in the middle, right? England did what they had to do. Uh, As you said, the first time they've won the opening game. But I think they will improve. I think they'll have to improve. The first 10 minutes were very good. But I wouldn't say that I saw anything over the next 80 minutes that made me really fear for any team, you know, whether that's Scotland or or whoever England go on to face. Uh, And I think we should also say Croatia looked very below par. Given what we've seen, I think it's too easy to look back at 2018 and think it was a rematch of of that game. I don't think anyone's looking at Croatia. Certainly the Czech Republic or Scotland and thinking that will be as difficult a game as maybe it seemed last week. Yeah, that's what I was going to say about Croatia. I think the best news for Scotland is just how poor they were. I know it's the first day of the tournament and everything, but they look a complete shadow of the team they were in 2018. And I think, yeah, like I said, Scotland will be looking at that and thinking we, sh- we should be able to get at least a point against them. And yeah, that'd be good stuff for you. Yeah, I actually, in terms of what you're saying there, I, I, I kind of thought similar, actually. I thought it wasn't too dissimilar to the semi-final in 2018, that England sort of started a lot faster and better, got the goal. Harry Kane, next to an upright, misses a chance. And I thought, oh dear, here we go again type thing. Um, and then Croatia, they were sl- slinging crosses in. But as you say, I, I didn't really feel a threat from them scoring, albeit England did sit very deep and did really go into their shell later on in the game. But Alex, what about Calvin Phillips? First start for him in a major tournament and he looked like he's, he's always been there yeah he was fantastic and I think you know there are so many questions asked about Southgate when the lineups came up um, people saying why is it not Jude Bellingham why have you not got a more attack minded midfielder in there but to give him credit he was brilliant I thought he was everywhere all over the game obviously great assist for Sterling and yeah I'll be honest I was one of them like, he, he wouldn't have been on my team sheet personally I think he's a good player but maybe not I thought 
is he international level? Is he England level? But he's he's proved me completely wrong, and I think it'd be a surprise now to see him not in the team for the rest of the games because he was is that good a performance. Yeah, no, most definitely. I, I sort of thought the same actually on yesterday's podcast. We picked our team and no one actually mentioned him for the midfield, but he did come in, do, do a really good job and laid on a brilliant assist for Raheem Sterling Martin, who has finally sort of got his goal at a, a major tournament for England and he took it well. He did take it well. And, and listen, who would be a manager at the best of times? Who would be an England manager? And, and listen, Gareth Southgate. Everybody says the same thing, lovely bloke. But you have to say that making these big decisions suggests that there's obviously far more to him than that. And Raheem Sterling himself was not exactly guaranteed uh, a start, hasn't had the best of seasons with Manchester City. I thought it was in his post-match interview was interesting. He alluded to some sort of issue at Manchester City uh, when he was asked about his form. But you're right, he took his goal well. He had another chance that he blazed over the bar. We all know his story coming from very close to Wembley. So that was a nice touch. And and listen, the, that front three, very interchangeable with the players who came on from the bench, players who were even left off the bench. So they they all have to be at the top of their game. I'm, I'm sure Harry Kane will, will still play on Friday, despite being largely absent. I think he had to remind everyone of, of the fact he was on the pitch when he hit the post himself. Uh, but no, you're right. Raheem Sterling delivered what he had to do. And, and that's all anyone can really ask at a major tournament. Yeah, but there is, as Martin was saying before, Alex, there is still certainly room for improvement. We saw the Italians on the opening night put in a brilliant performance. Belgium have chalked up three against Russia too. Kind of know where the level's at in England, albeit getting the win, weren't quite there, but they're going to want to grow into this tournament. Yeah, of course. I think a lot of it was kind of just setting the pace for the rest of the tournament. I think to touch on that Sterling thing there, there's been a lot of clamour for maybe Jack Grealish above Sterling. Um, but I think we do need need a bit of pace in that team. I mean, how many times have we seen England at a major tournament just sluggish, slow, uh, needing a bit of pace and injection of that? And I think that's what Sterling's done. All right, he's had a, not had a great season, but we need that sort, at least one of those sort of players in the team to run in behind Kane and make those clever runs and whatnot. And I thought he did that well. Yeah, yeah, there's improvement. Of course, there's improvement. But the most important thing is getting that win at the first stage of the season. Um, sorry, of the tournament and. If you think back to 2016 with that Russia game, it was almost quite similar where we weren't great. We were winning 1-0 and then you concede last minute and that kind of sets the tone for a really bad tournament. So just see, getting the job done, getting over line was I think, the most important thing. And I think it stands as a good stead for the rest of the group. Yeah, definitely. Right. Before we get into day four's action, let's round up what else happened on day three. Austria versus North North Macedonia and the Netherlands, Martin, trying to throw away a two-goal lead against Ukraine, only to then get themselves back ahead before the end. Probably, for now, the game of the tournament. Definitely very entertaining for, for anyone who maybe didn't have Orange on. I think, I can't remember whether it was it was uh, Alan McCoyst or, or Clive Tilsley who said it, but he said oh, the Netherlands have been, are better than they have been, but far from how, from how far from as good as they once were. And I think that sums it up. They are entertaining, which, certainly, which basically means they're a bit susceptible at the back with no Virgil van Dijk, but some very good attacking players. And, and really that game, as in every group, there's that one game. If you win that, then you're probably going to be through, especially with the three going through. They will now feel uh, that they are pretty comfortable with North Macedonia and Austria to come, who, who also served up a good game yesterday. I just can't believe there's a player with a surname Dumfries who isn't playing for Scotland. I'm sure somebody, you know, especially at right back, we're a bit short there. Somebody Sorry. in the SFA needs to be uh, hauled over the coals. 
Yeah, no, most most definitely. What did you make of the the other two games, Alex? Goran Pandev is going, still going, yeah. got himself a, going. a goal, and uh, I think with Holland we're going to have all the Netherlands. We're going to have a, a lot of fun watching them. And when you think of the the players that they're missing, the likes of De Ligt wasn't available, Van Dijk out of the tournament, Donny Van der Beek as well. They're missing a whole host of names. Yeah, yeah, they were, they were two really good games. I think after the England game, after the stress of that and finally calming down from that, two two nice antidotes to that really to be neutral and watch those two really good games. Um, I think the Netherlands are kind of in that level of team just below the favourites. Really, I don't I don't see them going much further. Maybe last sixteen quarterfinals. I think you saw the, the fact they collapsed so quickly when Ukraine scored their first, then scored their second, shows you they're pretty frail at the back. Obviously, they went on to win the game, but. I wouldn't be, I mean, if England ever end up playing, I wouldn't be too worried about them. That'll probably come back and bite me at some point. But um, yeah, yeah, very entertaining. I'm looking forward to watching them the rest of the tournament, but I don't think they're quite strong enough to, uh, to go all the way. Right, OK, then let's get into day four of the tournament. Martin, your your chance to shine Scotland back at a major tournament. First time in 23 years. How nervous are you right now? I'm very nervous, to be honest, Guy. I think it's great to be back. Of course, it is. 23 years is a long time. You know, 1998, last time I think I was, well, I was 12, to be fair. So I wasn't as young as some people. And of course, plenty of fans have never seen us at a major tournament. But I think once... You have to get over the fact that it's always great to be here and everything else. Yeah. And really, today's game is the most important game. I would go as far to say, really, that it's a, it's a must-win game. I know with potentially three teams going through, that might seem a bit extreme, but yeah. as much as I'd love to say that Friday night is a you know <laughs> some sort of 50-50 game where we can go there confident of winning, anything from Friday is a bonus. Yeah. And then with Croatia next week, okay, maybe after yesterday, a bit more hopeful at least, as Alex said earlier, of a point, but I think Czech Republic could beat them twice, either in the in the Nations League, at home with fans, definitely winnable. And I think anything less than three points uh, would be be very disappointing. Yeah, Steve Clark in the press conference before the the game, Alex has been talking up Scotland and the fact they have big game experience, the likes of Andy Robertson, Scott McTominay himself throughout his coaching career as well. So, going to be really interesting to see how Scotland do deal with this. And I suppose one real comfort is the fact they're going to be at Hamden today. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fascinating game to be honest. I mean, as you just touched on there, Scotland do have big game players in Andy Robertson, John McGinn. You know, players who've who've played in this sort of environment before. Um, it's going to be an absolutely incredible atmosphere, I'm sure, at Hamden. And I think I think Martin's right. I think if you can get three points out of this game, you're well on your way to qualifying. And that for Scotland will obviously be massive. Um, yeah, I'd like to think England will, will fairly comfortably beat Scotland. And then you don't want to leave it to Croatia. Sorry, Martin, I know you should look to me a bit disappointed in there. But um, I, think, I think this is one you've got to win. A point would be a disaster, but three points would be absolutely massive. And I think we're going to do it. I really do. I've got this little feeling, little one one nil or something like that. Yeah, it'd be brilliant to go into Friday, both sides having picked up three points. But what's the key to, to Scotland getting success, Martin? Who are the, the key players within the system? I know Che Adams has come into the team recently and looks as though he's offering something up top that was lacking beforehand. It's going to be very interesting to see who Steve Clark goes with. There's been a lot of clamour for Billy Gilmore uh, after, but he's played, I think, forty minutes over over two games for Scotland. He hasn't played much for Chelsea, so I imagine he'll be left out, which which leaves Callum McGregor in there. 
of Celtic. But there's also, as you say, a question up front. Do does Steve Clark go with the with two up front with Shea Adams and Lyndon Dykes? Which you know, Lyndon Dykes will work tirelessly as a one. But if if you've got Shea Adams with his pace, he can take the defenders away and and really allow Dykes that bit more support and a bit more time to, to do his thing. So that will be interesting. The problem with putting two up there is that you then force John McGinn backwards a bit, which he's not his ideal position for Scotland. Uh, he's our leading scorer, so you want him as far up the pitch as possible. So I think those are the questions. And, and then even, you know, on the left, we're so blessed uh, in defence with Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson. And, and they found a way for them to work Tierney on the left of the three at the back. Um, on the right side, we're not so not so fortunate Chopped and changed a lot. Ryan Fraser's been in there. James Forrest has been in there. So that's another area to look out for. But hopefully he goes two up front. Uh, I think that's what the fans will want, certainly, even though it's obviously not our choice. But again, to give ourselves the best chance of winning, we've got to keep the defenders busy. And you're right, it may well be 1-0. It may well be an 88th minute, you know, enough someone's backside, enough the post, but we'll take it as long as we give it a go. And I think going two up front is the best for that. Would you say you're confident, Martin? I know you said you're very nervous, but you're actually feeling like confident of a win or not so much? I think it's honestly 50-50. I think the Czechs are, are, are perhaps slightly favourites with the, with the bookmakers, um, but I think it probably is 50-50. You know, I, th- I think they've got a couple of players from West Ham, but I don't look at their team and, and fear anybody. Oh. Uh, but it's just it's just the unknown. You know, we don't... I know you could argue that qualifiers and, and Nations League games, of course they are. Uh, proper games, but you know we don't know how we're going to play in the tournament setting. A lot of these players back in front of fans for the first times, first tournament for for most of them, if not all of them, I imagine. Definitely all of them. Sorry. Uh, so there are a lot of unknowns. So I think maybe I'm erring on the side of caution, but I think, as I said, this game is fifty fifty, and I think our chances of going through are probably fifty fifty. Uh, and there's no, you know, that's the thing. This game basically determines that. Uh, that's the thing I think is going to be fascinating with this, Alex, is the fact that. We, we, it's just the unknown, isn't it? We don't know how Scotland are going to deal with this. Being at home, I think, is going to be a big thing. But equally, if they find themselves maybe a goal or two down early, it's also probably not the, the happiest place to be at that time. Yeah, and I mean, look, Czech Republic and mugs. They've got Sue Czech, who's obviously has been lighting up the Premier League this season. They've got that, uh, is it Kufau? Uh, yeah. We have a player in the team. So, you know, they're, they're not, it's not like, with all respect, it's not like Macedonia or anyone like that. They are a decent outfit. And I think... Yeah, the last thing Scotland want to do is concede early and then suddenly you start to think, oh, do we really deserve to be here? The atmosphere turns a bit. So I think the first half of in the first 10 minutes is going to be crucial in kind of setting the setting the pace of the game. Um, but do you know what? I, I hope they do it. I, I'm not one of these England fans who despises Scotland and wants them to absolutely embarrass themselves. I just want them to embarrass themselves on Friday. You know, today, frankly, <laughs> I can, today I can be fine. I'm, I'm absolutely happy with that. As long as they, as long as they don't show up at Wembley, that's fine. Yeah, you want them to build up some confidence, come to Wembley, you're a bit too... I mean, I'm crashing down in front yeah. of Martin Myers, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. Martin, just a, a couple more points in terms of the game. Obviously, due to play Czech Republic during the autumn, but due to COVID, their squad had to change around an awful lot. So that's a difficult understanding of or barometer of where these two sides would be up against one another. And just on David Marshall, when his name gets read out today, I'm sure Hamden's going to go absolutely mental, isn't it? It certainly will. And you're right, that game with the Czech Republic, you have to really write off. It was, you know, even then, I think we only scraped a 1-0 win. Yeah. And to be honest, our form hasn't been brilliant. 
you know, we beat we did beat Serbia, albeit on penalties, but that was a very good performance. And then I think perhaps understandably, form slipped after that in the World Cup qualifiers. Perhaps on a high, we looked reasonable uh, against the Dutch and against Luxembourg, but they were friendlies. But Marshall, you're right, and I think you could argue that that penalty save has probably kept him in the team. You know, he did lose his place at Derby. Craig Gordon still around, still at Howard, back at Hearts now, uh, has come in as well. So there was even the suggestion that he might start. But no, you're right, David Marshall, you know, that iconic uh, picture of him looking to the to the referee just for that little nod to say that, yeah, the save was fine and then and then the celebrations began. But that's the thing, as I, as I said, it's, it's very easy to sort of think back to that and continue to talk about that. And that was great. What a night. But now, listen, this is tournament football. We're at the tournament. Let's not let's not be just, you know, happy to take part. Let's go out there and win. Yeah, no, and hopefully it's about now making sure there's not another 23-year wait for Scotland to be, at ba- be back at one. Again, elsewhere on day four, then we've got Poland against Slovakia and Spain up against Sweden. Alex, I'll come to you, certainly talking on Spain here. What are we expecting from them this tournament? Their preparation has been decimated due to COVID and having to call up under-21 players, this, that and the yeah. other. Luis Enrique deciding to not pick a Real Madrid player and only pick 23 players in his squad anyway. Seems as though they're, they're going in a bit of a mess and that's after they went to Russia and sacked the coach on the eve of the tournament. Yeah, it's never dull with Spain, is it? Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the preparation, obviously, the COVID stuff is obviously completely out of their hands. That's just really, really unfortunate. I thought the squad was really fascinating. And as you said, not not picking a Real Madrid player. All right, you don't look at that squad and think, oh, that Real Madrid squad and think there is a world-class, outstanding Spanish talent that they haven't picked. But the fact that Luis Enrique is so tied with, with Barcelona and he kind of splits the fan base between Barcelona and Real Madrid, it's a very brave move. And it means that if, if they do do badly, he's immediately going to be asked questions about that. I was amazed not to see Sergio Ramos in there. I think they've obviously made a decision and Ramos has since tweeted saying he doesn't feel 100% right himself. His body's telling him no. I still think there's a place in that squad for Sergio Ramos. In a 26-man squad, even if he's half fit, I think you've got to have him in just for his experience. He's the, you know, one of the biggest winners, one of the biggest characters we've seen in football recently. Um, so I think even if he's half fit, you've got to have him in there and not selecting him is a bit of a shock. But they've, they've still got a really good squad. You look at their team, you don't see any star names like you would have 10 years ago. You've got Xavi, Iniesta, Fernando Torres, David Villa. You don't have one of those sort of players, but they've still got world-class talent. You still look at them and think... A centre back strong. You got Laporte and Paul Torres. who should make a, a decent uh, centre back pairing. I think up front is quite an interesting choice because you have got Alvaro Morata, who Chelsea fans will tell you can be a bit hit and miss. Up against Gerard Moreno, who had a really good season in La Liga. I think only Messi scored more goals than him. Obviously, scored against United in the uh, in the Europa League final. So I'm intrigued to see how they do. I think Luis Enrique is a bit, not a, a character who's very easy to warm to. He's very kind of standoff of the press. So. If things go badly, I think he's, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. But yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. I think Sweden's a very interesting first opposition as well and fascinating to watch that. Yeah, no, definitely. Just on Spain, Martin, it, to me, it's it's one of those teams that you're actually looking forward to seeing in the tournament. Obviously, La Liga may be not as easy to watch on UK TV as it once was. And this squad not having a Real Madrid player in and not really having any true household names, as Alex was saying, we might see a few sort of breakout names from this tournament, their next generation stepping up. Definitely. And it's it's remarkable. There must be a generation of fans who associate Spain with, with just winning, you know, three tournaments in a row. But 
those of us who are a bit older can remember when Spain were perennial failures. So it's it's remarkable to see these sort of transitions in, in international football, as in any football. And now you know you have to you have to consider Spain as dark horses, but very dangerous dark horses. You know, you probably argue that maybe they're somewhere between the favourites and the Netherlands in terms of how they might go on and, and do in this tournament. Alex talked about the strikers that definitely question marks, I'd say, over them. Moreno, okay, great, in the league, but can he do it um, on the international stage? And you just have to look at the results. They go from, you know, beating Germany 6-0. Okay, maybe Germany are not the team they once were, but still, you know, nobody beats them 6-0. Uh, but then they drew with Greece. So, so many questions, but that's that's the fascinating part of it, as you say. And I suppose elsewhere in the group, Alex, it is about the strikers, isn't it? Robert Lewandowski for Poland and Alexander Isak of Sweden. No Zlatan Ibrahimovic for them to call upon. It, it will be kind of interesting to see what individual names can step up for those other nations to help them through. Yeah, definitely. I mean, any any side with Lewandowski leading the line is not going to be a bad team, are they? Um, and we've already seen the assortment, you know, big big names turn up. We've seen Lukaku already score. Did he score twice the other day? Yeah. He did, yeah. Um, so if you've got a player in that mould, in that quality mould, then you're always going to have a chance. I think you'd look at that group and think you'd, you'd think Spain would win it quite comfortably. And then it might be a shootout between Sweden and Poland, I think. So, yeah, really fascinating. I think Lewandowski, I think maybe a dark horse for the golden boot if he can start scoring early doors. So, yeah, really, really interesting scenario in that group. Yeah, we had a bit of a golden boot discussion yesterday, Martin, but it is one of the sort of the subplots that certainly runs along with the group campaign, isn't it? And it is a group that looks as though it does have a fair few hot strikers in it. It certainly does. And of course, you mentioned the one who's not there and in Ibrahimovic, but you wonder whether that will help Sweden in, in a way. You know, he, he had been retired for a start, so they're not, you know, not, not used to playing with him. And you wonder how much of a help his ego really is. There's no doubt he's still a quality player. He showed that in Italy. Uh, but you wonder how much of an, a good influence he can have around the team sometimes with when he has that huge ego. Uh, and you're right, of that of those four teams, Lewandowski, Lewandowski is definitely on paper uh, the best striker in the group. As I've said, Spain maybe not necessarily got that one player who you could definitely guarantee will get you four or five goals. Yeah, I mean, most... I was going to say, personally, I'm just, I'm so bored of Ibrahimovic. I'm so bored of the whole narrative around him. I'm so bored of the whole publicity stunts coming back from retirement. And I, to be honest, yeah, great player. But I think, I think personally, Sweden will be better off without him and just move on from this one man show. Yeah, no. Great goal against England, though. Yeah, all right, Mike. Yeah, yeah, let's let's say about that a bit. Yeah, let's 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 move on from that. Right, that rounds us up for today's edition of Euro Digest. Martin, how are you going to spend the what next five hours before kickoff? Pacing around the house, just waiting for kickoff. Yeah, pacing around the house, looking at my kilt. Um, you know, we've got to be in, got to be in full attire, and then you know, stand proud for the anthem, and then just watch the boys do the business. Well, I hope for your sake that Scotland can get the points and head to Wembley with their tails up and Alex, they can get put back in their place once they, they head to Wembley. But anyway, we'll have to wait and see how it does play out. From myself, Guy Clark, Alex Milne and Martin Dolan, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now.